Hello and welcome to our viewers on CruxInvestor.com and also to our listeners on CruxCast, our new podcast series. We're here today with Chris Ritchie of uh, Silvercrest. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me. You're in London. Uh, you are here last year as well, obviously, but uh, tell us why you're here this year. So we just put out a new economic study for our project. Mm -hmm. So definitely something we get on the get on the radar for people. We've been yep. to a few of these conferences before. Right. We don't really have many shareholders over in this part of the world. Mm -hmm. We've got a very tight shareholder base with yep. my old clients from a previous life of mine right. being on the sell side. Right. And uh, yeah, getting some new faces and names to exposure would be uh, would be great for us. Yeah, I mean we're hearing that a lot. So I mean, what, tell us a little bit of what's happening in the sort of North American market at the moment with regards to mining natural resources. In a broader sense, what you're seeing is people chasing performance, and the mm -hmm. mining industry has had anything but performance for a decade. So what you're seeing is funds looking elsewhere, mm -hmm. uh, money being pulled out of those funds, so forced selling at lower and lower levels, and selling mm -hmm. begets selling. And now we're at an issue with mining where we're at multi-decade lows in terms of mine life. The, my favorite chart it was given to me by one of our holders, Donald Smith, who was trained okay. by Benjamin Graham. And if you look at a ratio of a basket of commodities, mm -hmm to the S&P, it hasn't been this divergent since 1970. So the opportunity set's interesting, but who can survive this, this time frame is the, is the issue. There you go. So, okay, well, why don't we start off, uh, acquaint some of our viewers with your company. Why don't you give us a two, three minute overview, and then we'll get into some questions. Great. The very quick and dirty would mm -hmm. be three things. Mm -hmm. One is that we are in Sonora, Mexico, mm -hmm. uh, Northwest Mexico, and we discovered, permitted, financed, built, mm -hmm. on time, under budget, mm -hmm. and operated the mine next door. Right. And we sold that in late 15, mm -hmm. and this asset's 25 kilometers away. So the first part of that story is that we've done it before, on time, under budget, we know the people, the community, we've got yeah. a license to operate. Mm -hmm. Part two is that we've got the th uh, third highest grade primary silver deposit in the world. So okay. when silver prices aren't doing that well and you've got economics that... Yeah, that's quartile. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that, that's there. Um, the third part is what's left on the upside. Um, we've been able to hit on about 70% of our drill holes and our finding cost per ounce to date is 25 cents. Right. So those are the three main things. And the la like I said, I did mention that we do have our preliminary economic study that came mm -hmm. out last week. Mm -hmm. It shows that in the first four years of production, we'll be able to produce an ounce of silver at less than $5. Right, so okay. here we are with half the industry struggling to make any money. We're going to have roughly $10 margins at today's prices. Which is incredible, right. Okay. And we've got a payback period of nine months. So let's, well, that leads on quite nicely <coughs> to finances. So why, don't, why don't we cover some of the, the basic uh, numbers for the company? Sure. So, I mean, one great thing is we have 33 million Canadian in cash. We've mm -hmm. got uh, about 4 million in warrants. Uh, coming year. Mm -hmm. That covers, covers us for about a year in mm -hmm. terms of our budget. In that economic study, uh, we need 100 million US of capital. Mm -hmm. And again, at today's prices, that's roughly a nine month payback. Right. So again, the big majority of that's going to be in debt. So it's not much equity or any equity left on that point. Um, alongside that, me spending 13 years on the sell side, uh, we have a very strong shareholder base. So insiders own 16%. Uh, SSR Mining, which I'll touch on, they bought 9.9% mm. of us. They're a major, it's about five times our market cap. Uh, I was in New York for seven years. There's a big chunk of institutional investors who are, who are in the story on, the, on that standpoint. 
Um, so again, looking at the economics and why those people have been interested and they're supportive is, uh, again, at, in and around today's prices, we should have a 78% IRR and a nine-month nice. payback. Nice. Um, so one of the beautiful things for people who are not really trying to pick their timing on the market is we did a downside scenario case in that study. Right. And is if you use 1,100 gold and $14 silver, we still have a 64% IRR and our nine-month payback goes to 11 months. Right. Okay. So there, there's some, some pretty impressive numbers there. So what's the problem you're trying to address? I mean, you're, you're over here in London. You've talked about ex exposing yourself to more investors. I'm assuming you want retail investors because of the ability to drive, well, liquidity, a bit of volume. Yeah, I, I think it is interesting. It, you know, professional money managers are very challenged that they have to make money monthly. They're competing with other yeah. funds that are having performance in other sectors, mm. and that's how they get capital. So they're, they're very short-term in nature, and they wish they could be longer-term. Mm -hmm. Whereas if, you, if you're able to look at a longer time horizon, pitchers tend to get more clear. Mm -hmm. So again, if you look at where we are as an industry and where the cycle is, and if you look at our ability to withstand that downturn, and then look to what the upside is, a retail investor knowing that you still have an 11-month payback at $1,100 gold, you can buy this stock. And again, there's still risk related to mining. I'm not trying to downplay that at all. But there, you have a much better resilience to how long this cycle changes. And then your upside is something you get with the drill bit, mm. commodity prices changing, um, and then potentially many people would say that we're a potential takeover target given our our robust economics right. and, and defensive characteristics. Right. And are you, I mean, clearly when you're talking to institutions, they've got a whole bunch of different concerns. I mean, what, what, are, those phone, what are those phone calls sound like when uh, at the end of each month? Um, broader based, I mean, you can look at time zones. I mean, a lot of people in Europe tend to look sort of in through Africa and places right. and, yeah. and, and whatnot. And a lot of people in North America kind of go Canada, US, Mexico and whatnot. Mm. Uh, People ask about Mexico, and there's certainly good, good parts of Mexico and bad parts of Mexico. But I mean, we've been in this area for 13 years. Yeah. Um, the largest political organization in, in Sonora is the Cattle Association. Mm -hmm. They have an export agreement with the U.S. Mm -hmm. for beef. Mm -hmm. We're in the Cattle Association. We have our own ranch now. Nice. Uh, there was um, a spill in 2014 by another mining company that didn't clean it up. We spent 50 grand of our own right. money buying fresh drinking water for the people, the horses, the cattle. Right. Our CEO's son and daughter live on site and they have lived on site for a long time. Right. So it's a question we get asked, but it's not something we're overly concerned about. Um, again, industry-wide, why do I need to invest in the space, which is kind of applies to anyone on that front. Uh, permitting, people ask about permitting. So, but can I ask, what is the answer to that question? Which one? <laughs> Why should I be investing in this space? I mean, is mining still relevant? Well, what, it, it, again, I was in the sell side and I quit to take this job. Right. And mines take on average about seven years to come online. So mm. when you talk about 50, 60% of mines not making money today, mm. that also means that the next asset most companies have in their portfolio don't make economic sense today. So no one's spending. A lot of people are doing this waiting for that commodity price to turn. And it's interesting for a lot of people if and when that happens, but they don't really have many strategic decisions to make today. So if you have an asset that can withstand the downturn and then participate with the upside, that's, that's pretty significant because you're not gonna see new supply coming online until the price moves, then the investment cycle starts, mm. and then you've got the seven years. 
Yeah, I mean, there's, there's well, seven, ten years, people, people use yeah. different, different, different numbers, but the, the, the net result is the same. It takes a while from when you start to when you get into production. We're in um, multi-decade lows in terms of mine sure. life right now. For sure, for sure. So you, given that, um, what, are the, what are the challenges that you faced last year through to this year? You're sitting on a bunch of cash, gives you lots of optionality. That's yes. great news, okay? You're you know, one quartile in terms of cost, fantastic. So you're quite, a, you're quite attractive for lots and lots of reasons, but what's happening next? Where, where's the uh, value come from for new investors coming into this story? The best analogy for that is our one key area within our mine is extremely high grade. It's mm -hmm. the first ore we're going to access in, mm -hmm. in production. Mm -hmm. Our first drill hole into that area was three and a half meters wide at eight and a half kilos. Mm -hmm. And obviously we got excited. We threw four drill rigs at it. Mm -hmm. And four months later, we had 40 million ounces at over a kilo. So, you know, if you look at the PEA that assumes 13.7 million ounces of production in each of the first four years, mm -hmm. if you assume roughly 15, 16 million ounces are needed to get those 13.7, yep. yep. if you can find 30, 40 million ounces of high grade um, in a short period of time, I mean, that conversion to free cash flow, again, 13.7 million ounces in the first four years, that's 115 million of free cash flow per year. And our market cap today is on 270 million. Right. So the speed of finding high grade uh, can drive the can move the needle sure. very very quickly on the drill bit. Of, of course, but that's you know ifs and buts. So yep. you know what are you guys doing to ensure that or as much as you can? Well, we've got 15 drill rigs on the property today, and that's, that's one of the wow. bigger that's one of the bigger drill programs yep. out there. Half of those drill rigs are trying to convert uh, the resources to reserves, just to increase the confidence and remove some of that risk mm -hmm. of having you know more tangible belief that it's there and we can control it and understand that. And then again, the other seven are looking for new, new ounces. The beauty with us, we're actually a small mine. It's only 3.8 million tons mm -hmm. are in our PEA. So even if we find some lower grade ounces, maybe there's the potential to go from 1,250 tons a day to 1,500, 1,750 sure. and, and see how it plays out. So it's any ounces we find now that are economic can right. add some leverage, get some economies of scale. So the first thing we're doing is drilling aggressively. In terms of also mitigating risk, within our PEA, we used very prudent, I won't say conservative because you don't know until you're actually producing. I'll say mm -hmm. very prudent uh, inputs. So the recoveries that we are seeing in the studies, we used 4% lower than that in our PEA. The mining method we used in our studies was all cut and fill, mm -hmm. which is a more expensive method, and there, there is a good chance that part of the resource we could use is long hole, which would cut costs. Mm -hmm. um, grade capping, you know, conservative on that front. And again, we, we didn't assume any upside on the throughput. Uh, maybe we can get lucky with building a power line, which would have significantly lower power costs. Right. So we made sure that, it, we, you know, given a 78% IRR, if people yeah. don't believe your inputs, the thing goes in the garbage. So we wanted yeah. to make sure we started out so people can go, here's a snapshot in time, here's what it's worth, we believe you, or we're gonna make our own adjustments and come up with a number, and everything is kind of gravy, hopefully. Yeah. And that number today is trading at about 0.65 times our net asset value. Okay, so yeah, I agree, those are reasonably conservative assumptions. That was the in, attempt. In, in <laughs> which, which, is, which is great, but yet the IRR is, Definitely up there. We've been talking to people with you know, much lower IRRs this week, you, you know, with a slow and steady approach. Now, so in that context, how do you get the balance between running the company, mitigating all of this risk, all these moving parts, where if things 
something goes wrong, it, it affects everything down, down the food chain, and creating shareholder value. Those are two very different skill sets. So our CEO is a, a geologist and a mining engineer. Right. He's built six mines, again, including the one next door. Uh, part of my role of coming on was to sort of spend more time in the capital markets and whatnot so mm. that the people who are on site adding the value can spend more time on site adding value. Mm -hmm. uh, we recently added a COO uh, who designed and built Canada's largest gold mine. He, right. he joined the company uh, on the board last year, but officially right. as COO at the end of last year. Right. And threw in about 300000 of his own money uh, on day one uh, on that way. So again, adding some more bench strength uh, to the technical team. Right is a significant part. You know, we've got a good cash balance. I mean, December of 17, we had three million on the balance sheet. Yeah. So we've been slowly making sure we, we pick up that cash balance. Uh, you know, what we're doing in the ass, again, doing infill drilling to make sure we have confidence in what mm -hmm. we have in place. Um, you know, making sure we're communicating with shareholders all the time and we've got a very strong shareholder base. I mean, most of these shareholders were my old clients in the, sure. in the old days. So, sure. like, just making sure that communication and trust and transparency is there. Right. But, they, but the institutional, those institutional guys, presumably. Correct. Yeah, the, the, the big guys, right? And, you know, they're very technical, very knowledgeable in terms of, you know, what, what they want. But at the end of the day, they still need share appreciation. That, that's yep. their key driver here. Um, so, are they telling you what to do, or do they sit back and what in terms of strategy? I'm talking about obviously not technically, sure. but in terms of strategy, are they talking to you about what they think you should be doing in terms of creating a bigger entity? Because your market cap Absolutely. is is good, it's like 300, 300 bucks. That's that's pretty impressive, but I think from what you're saying, you feel it could be more. So are you frustrated with the, the performance or you, you think it's okay? No, we, if you look at our performance versus the GDXJ, which is an ETF for junior miners, yeah. I think last year, you know, that, that GDXJ was probably down about 20%. Yeah. We were up 100, yeah. 150%, I don't know the exact number. So it just shows that again, while the gold and silver prices are low, we've, we've shown that we're a vehicle that can add value. Mm. And that's mostly been via the drill bit. Right. So what we're getting from our investors is, We'll give you the latitude to go out there and drill like crazy mm. because, again, that's what's been driving share performance. Mm. Uh, so the, the big, bigger and broader we can, we can just make this asset in terms of either, again, leverage tons or high grade, yep. that can move the needle very, very quickly uh, on that front. So that's their main push on that and continue to de-risk. Get that permit, which, again, we're, we've started a long time ago. We've yep. got one major permit left. Hopefully that's something that happens this year. Um, and they're also telling us to hurry up and drill because, again, with an asset like this, you know, there's been a huge wave of consolidation been taking place. If you can't get growth and upside and the commodity price isn't working, you've got to manage costs. That's the next question, which, which is, I mean, the other way to this, this works is if silver price goes up, right? And what's your expectation in the marketplace at the moment? Because it's been a kind of very confusing year for a lot of commodities where people have catalyst events happening where normally it would have an impact, it's not. What's happening in the world of silver? I'll, I'll answer it twofold and I would say the, the way to answer that is very dependent on if you're talking to a retail investor, hmm. an institutional investor, or a management team trying to run a business. Okay. And I'll start with the management team trying to run a business. If you're a management team trying to run a business, your assumptions on silver is that it's going to be here or lower for the next five years. Because if you're not doing that, you're not being very responsible. So looking for low cost, low capital intensive assets mm. that can give you more margin to wait it out is, is a prudent approach. Um, if you're buying something top of cycle and the market rolls, your head's on the line. 
Yeah. If you buy something and the market rolls, but you've actually increased your margins and you've, you've bought defense, you get a pat on the back. So again, that's the uniqueness of our asset. Now, if I was to tell an institutional investor, hey, look how good we are at $1,100 silver, or $1,100 gold and 14 silver, they'll say, great, why am I buying if it's going down? So that, that's part of it. And the same as the retail mm -hmm. investor, I would say same thing. If you don't have the monthly pressure, uh, pressures, but you think it's an interesting long-term, having something that is more defensive while you wait. Yeah. Now, we might not move as much as another name that's got $13 cost and silver goes up $2 and all of a sudden the margins go up 200%. But it doesn't mean you've solved the problem about what assets next in your portfolio. It doesn't mean you've all of a sudden got cash on the balance sheet. It's one might have short-term share price performance, mm. but again, how to manage a business uh, is very different under, under all those scenarios. That's why it's, I wanted to answer that in those ways. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's fair enough. Um, <clears throat> you, you need to look at it like that. Okay. Investors are always going to be looking for share appreciation. Okay, so you know, you can do that by drill bit, spanning out, you know, building out your re resource. Fantastic. You can do it through M and A. Any M and A planned, or have you got enough on your books? I think our shareholders would be very happy if we put our head down mm. and focused on this asset and did not get distracted. Right. Any um, M and A things that we'd be interested in are very much things in the neighborhood, two, mm -hmm. three, four million dollars that might be something close by that we can truck to our existing. Yeah. yeah, and get that economies of scale sort of thing. And again, we've been in the neighborhood for 13 years. Yep. So knowing knowing that all those things are available and it's everything very low cost, but very potentially high return. We're, you know, longer term, if you said five years from now you're in production, you've got a bunch of cash on the balance sheet. Mm -hmm. If the market was still soft, Maybe we've had a vehicle that could re-rate cash and we could be able to self-finance future development and grow this company while other people weren't necessarily in that position. Yeah. And if the market turns five years from now, maybe we've actually enjoyed that downturn yeah. to accumulate those assets and build a bigger, better, stronger company. That's interesting, Chris. Like, I'm going to wrap up there. I think we've run out of time. You need to get dashed back to the one-to-one -one <laughs> conference. How are you finding it? It's great. It's good. Like I said, we have most of our shareholders are over in North America, so just being able to tell the story and get people's feedback over here is uh, it's a good use of time. Yeah, it's a, a very good conference. I think you'll uh, enjoy yourself. Anyway, thanks very much for your time. Thanks we'll so much. See you again soon. Appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you very much for watching our video. We do aim to give you informed and intelligent information with which to make your investment decisions. So if you liked what you just saw, please give us a thumbs up. And if you want to see more insightful, in-depth, honest, and unbiased interviews, then please click the subscribe button. So thanks again for watching, and we look forward to seeing you again soon.